All right, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Teardown. My name is Jeff Gluck, and I'm along with my coworker Jordan Bianchi. We are motorsports writers here at the Athletic, and we have just watched not one but two races at Pocono Raceway, at least on our TV sets. And uh, I tell you what, Jordan, uh, Pocono over the years not known for necessarily the best racing, but I would say. I don't know, you know, I'd have to think about this a little bit more, but this might be the best weekend overall of Pocono racing that I can remember. What do you think? I don't remember better races at Pocono, more compelling races than what we saw. Yesterday's race, even with the what happened on the last lap aside with Larson's crash, which was a complete, oh my God, wild moment. For putting that aside, that race was tremendous. I mean, you had everything in that race. You had great racing. You had strategy. You had Kyle Larson hounding Alex Bowman, trying to figure out a way to pass him, finally did. And, and it was great. And then today kind of started off a little slow. It was a much different tenor to the race. This was all about strategy and positioning yourself. And the way this unfolded was incredible. I, I thought what we saw today was the best of what Pocono has to offer. I have been on record. I am not the biggest Pocono fan in the world. Um, it's one of those tracks where you look at it and you're like, does this really need two dates? Are we, can we, can we better utilize this date somewhere else? What we got today was great. I would like to see more of it there, but I don't know how you can't walk away from this weekend going. That's, that's as good as NASCAR can be. It, it was, it was compelling all the way around. Yeah. Look, I mean, I'll be honest, right? Like uh, there's been a time certainly in my career covering NASCAR where I, I'll, I'll just say, it. I mean, I, I sort of wish Pocono sort of just been like left for dead. Like why, why is NASCAR still going here? Well, I don't completely. understand. Like yeah. not one race, but like gone completely. Yeah. Like I was just like, well, I see no use for this place. There's been points in, in that. I've definitely felt that way. Um, but over the last few years, I, I've really sort of changed my tune. Um, and now like with this double header concept, which you'll have to remember, like they tried this double header concept last year but they didn't get a real shot at it because they couldn't allow fans. And the whole point of this was like, let's see if this doubleheader thing works out with fans there with camping, like will people come for the whole weekend, all that stuff, you know, these, these multiple races. And I think this was, this really showed what it can do um, in a post pandemic world in um in a world where they, they've had a time to really promote it and build it up now like people know okay there's two races there so um you know i i think now that that it's really been given a proper chance you know i i think keep let let them keep two races let them uh you know i, I know that the trend right now is to you know more toward going to one race at each track you know maybe in the future even though um, you know, like Darlington and Atlanta got a second one, but I think, you know, people are generally like, Hey, what well, let's, let's, as Kyle Bush said, after the race, spread it around. But to me, this is, this is what a double header, this kind of proved what it can do. I mean, you know, Michigan would have had the same chance last year, but they never got a chance to show it. Cause it was two fanless races for their double header. Uh, I think it would have worked well there too. And unfortunately they, they lost the race before they've even gotten a chance to, to prove it. But if that, if NASCAR ever wants to do this again at other tracks going forward, um, you know, the camping element of it and the value element of it to, you know, yeah, you're paying for two cup races, but to have that chance to be like, okay, I'm only, I'm spending the same amount on hotel. I'm spending the same amount on flight. If you flew there, 
yeah, I'm paying for an extra race ticket, but you know, I think there's a lot of value for fans there that you can really make a weekend out of it. And it seemed like there was a lot of enthusiasm about it. And so when you get two races like that too, um, that, you know, they were two completely different races. I felt like, like, mm -hmm. you know, the first one you talked about, um, you know, it was the classic sort of, um, the, the good part and bad part of the 550 package, right. Where, <laughs> you know, you're, you're keeping them close sort of, uh, you know, maybe artificially a little bit, but yeah, I didn't at look at it like that, but I know you do. So it's, it's hilarious to me. Well, you know, but it, it, it sort of reminded me for a while there of, of the fall Kansas race last year where Logano couldn't, uh, or Harvard couldn't pass Logano and everybody was fr very frustrated about that. But then, uh, you know, on day one, Larson did find a way around Bowman. Yeah. Um, or sorry, Bowman. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, he did find a way until he blew a tire. But anyway, then on day two, you know, the race turns out, you know, Kyle Busch wins by eight and a half seconds. Third place was 11 seconds behind, but it was the sort of the classic Pocono fuel mileage race, you know, where you're like, okay, yeah, like this is, this is cool. Like I'm not pro fuel mileage all the time. Like, cause it kind of creates some fluke circumstances at times. So I wouldn't want to see like four of them a season, but one a year, like this one's great. It's, it's fantastic. I love seeing, you know, the, the drama, your heart's racing. You're like, Whoa, what's going to happen. It's exciting. So I'm sorry. No, I'm long winded here talking about these, no, but it's good. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the double header thing though, because I wanted to ask you about that is I, I understand why Pocono did this. And I, and I agree with what you said, like this is a win for fans the ticket sales at Pocono are, are very high. This, this seems to be a success for the track, but I, I take a look at this and I, and I step back and from the kind of the business perspective of NASCAR as a whole, and let's be honest, television drives NASCAR. That's what matters. And the fact is I, I, the rating for the Saturday race is probably going to be lower than Sunday. And I'm curious to see what the discrepancy is and how low, because I don't know what that, if it's a million fewer viewers and maybe it's too high, but what is the threshold where you say, you know, we're giving up too much on the television side for Pocono to have this double header. That, that's where my issue is with this. And I don't, that's why I'm I, I wonder if this really can become a trend elsewhere. And there, there's a little bit of caution to that because frankly, races on Saturday, sporting events on Saturday afternoon don't tend to do well television wise compared to Sunday afternoon. Well, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't this originally a concept because of the two week Olympic break that NBC was requesting yeah. Uh, which they thought was going to happen last year ended yeah. up needing to happen again this year. So if I'm not mistaken, that's because that, so they were already accommodating TV in a way, but you're right. Going forward, how will this be viewed? Because when you don't have the Olympics and you don't need to take a two week break and you know, you, they need, you know, maybe some sort of an extra race to lengthen the season. Will they give Pocono two races to me? Um, I, again, I, I think there's a great case for it just because, you know, maybe you just make the, the season a week, shorter than overall, because if you can get, look, you've got to give something back to the fans at some point, like the fans who go to the races, I get it's a TV sport. You're, you're absolutely right. But this whole thing recently about like the coolers and stuff like you've got it. Okay. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Like what, what the tracks are trying to do and the cooler policy, all and stuff, you know, you got to make money, all that stuff, but you can't just NASCAR for most of its history has not been a TV sport. It's been a sport founded on the fans being there and having certain, you know, a lot of the tracks have free parking. A lot of them, most of them for their whole history have been able to bring in free coolers and stuff um, or coolers with your, your free drinks and free food that you can save money that way. And, you know, to sort of take those things away 
and and to combine with the late start times where now you have to take a day off work instead of why are you laughing you're laughing because you think i'm going on a rant or something no i am just smiling to what you're saying you're making very good valid points i'm i'm just sitting here taking in the the brilliance of jeff buck and and taking it in that's all no no issue i think you think i'm going on a rant which i'm not i don't rant on this podcast just enjoying this don't why are you so (laughs) self-conscious because before right before we recorded you said i haven't decided what i'm going to get you to rant about today and i said i don't rant and I think you think that I'm ranting, which I'm not. I'm just saying that you should make sure that you're accommodating the fans who make an effort to go to these races in person still, because those you ultimately turn around and those are the TV viewers as well. So I know they don't account for the lion's share of the revenue these days and all that stuff. But again, I think like what I, if I was camping, if I was going to a race and you're thinking, okay, I could spend, especially in this day of like, we're not going to see three day cup shows again. So you can't just roll in on a Thursday and be like, all right, I got my camper here. And, you know, I'm see practice qualifying all the stuff, you know, you, yeah, you'll see the support races, but most of it's one day shows and next year it'll probably be two day shows, but whatever. So like, if you're really looking for value, you're like, okay, I'm going to go camp at this place, like, you know, New Hampshire or something. And you're like, ah, man, like, you know, if I'm not local, am I really going to go all the way up there, you know, six hours just for like, you know, two days when I used to go four days and have a good time. You know, I I think there's so much more value in, in just uh, like, Hey, I'm going to see two cup races. I'm going to see an Xfinity race. I'm going to see a truck race. I'm going to see an Arca race. Um, You know, I'll hang out, you know, park there in the whole weekend or stay at the hotel the whole weekend and come back both days, whatever. I, I just think anything you can do right now to, increase the value. I saw Pocono did have the cooler policy where they allowed some, they allowed them in. Um, so that, that's a, like, why would you not want to offer that to your fans? Like you need to be thanking your fans in every way you can right now. Um, anyway, I, I see, I, I've gone on a rant, but <laughs> uh, no, you make good points. One thing that really stood out to me this weekend also was 300 mile races, 300 races that are 300 miles in length. Can we get more of those, please? It was fantastic. It was perfect. Yeah, this race today, um, the second race was two hours, 30 minutes, two hours, 31 minutes, I think. Perfect time. And I thought, you know, when it got done, I, was, I wasn't I was sure how long it was because it felt like a good length to me. And I looked it up um, and I was like, oh, yeah, like you said, that's exactly what you would want it to be. Um, it didn't feel long. It didn't feel short. It just, it felt no. spot on. Yeah, and, and um, the race that was the Saturday race that was, um, 25 miles shorter was also two hours, 30 minutes. A lot of more cautions in that one. Yeah. But that also, and yeah, right. They had a competition caution too. And there was, yeah, more cautions. Um, that one had eight cautions, but, um, and there was only four cautions today. I didn't realize that. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Like those are both the perfect length. Like you said, two and a half hours. Um, and I also noticed that, I felt like it gave TV more time afterward with some of the guys like TV was asking like two questions to each driver, like follow-ups instead of just rushing off the air. I think they got the whole top five interviewed. Um, I really don't like as a viewer now that I've been home more uh, instead of being able to do these, the, the bullpens in person, I really don't like as a viewer, how like they might interview the, the winner and just rush off the air. And you're like, well, what about, the other guys, like, what about second? Like, I want to hear from those people. So, you know, to leave them, to, to have TV leave itself enough time with their window to do all that, I thought that was great. Um, I also 
speaking of TV, I really, really appreciated um, Steve Letarte with his strategy oh, coverage. Yeah, he's great. Um, I mean, like, man, the, the the way the Pocono races go with all the strategy, you know, just any any year of a Pocono race, yeah. it's always going to be you're always going to have that element of it, and to have somebody that can explain it and who has called those races perfectly before yeah. and knows what's going on. He's um, all over it. Yeah. Like that, that really helps as a viewer. Cause I'm, I'm looking at it and, you know, we have access to this thing where it's like last pit stop, but I'm still thinking, you know, like I, I had tweeted that I thought Hendrick was going to be in, in a little bit of trouble. They were running out of bullets to win. And everybody's like, what about Byron? What about Byron? And I'm looking at it going, I don't think so. Like I was looking at his last pit stop and it was like lap 93. And I don't, I, you know, I didn't think anybody could make it now. Kyle Busch had pitted two laps later. His last pit stop was 95 and, and Larson who did make it his last pit stop was 94, but everybody else, nobody made it that long from that whole group of that had pitted on lap 93 Hamlin, um, Byron, all these people, everybody else like Kozlowski who ended up coming up, uh, to finish third. Um, you know, he, he even had to pit late and Harvick had to pit late obviously. So, you know, but it's tough to tell if you don't know what's going on or what they're going for. Plus, like even Kyle Busch said, he was confused afterwards because he was being relayed information like, okay, only you and Bubba Wallace are trying to make it. And now, oh, wait, now Hamlin's trying to make it. Now Kurt Busch is trying to make it. Now Byron's trying to make it. But those teams changed their strategy late. They weren't yeah. originally trying to do it. So No, they were doing it on the fly. Yeah. Um, but you need somebody in the TV booth that can can tell you that stuff because otherwise it's just kind of like, man, I, I am so confused now of who's doing what. Um, and you can feel like an idiot when you're, when you're tweeting as I did for a moment there. Cause I was like, uh Oh, did I screw up? But no, I didn't screw up everybody who said that I did. So there you go. <laughs> um, a lot to, lot to unpack there. One, I agree with you about the crew chief. And I think we talked a lot this week about Fox sports and its broadcast booth. You can read about our thoughts on the athletic with Jeff Gordon's announcement. He's going to go to a full-time executive role with Hendrick motorsports and what Fox should do to replace him. And to me, the, the obvious thing is I'd like to see more Larry McReynolds. I, I think he adds a great thing on there, uh, an element. And you miss that. And you notice that when you, you NBC picks up this coverage is what Latart brings in terms of real time, in-depth analysis and, and observation, what's going on. And I know Larry has got all of the information in front of him at, at, at the studio and he's got the monitors and everything, but being there, you know, being able to, to digest it in real time and interact with everybody it is a noticeable absence from the Fox booth. And I think that that's the one thing I would, I would say there. Um, the William Byron thing is interesting to me is the strategy there was interesting because they told him from the beginning, go at the last, at the end there, go hard and build up a big lead and then start saving fuel, which is the opposite of what you normally do. And it kind of bit them in the butt because they came up about three laps short. You wonder if they would have been more, um, conservative conserve mode from the drop instead of trying to, to push out a lead a little bit, whether they've been able to save. So that was, that was an interesting thing to me. And then the Kyle Bush thing, the transmit, we had tr transmission troubles today. He comes in right before the final restart to top off with one to go. It won the race in a race that he had a fast car, had the fastest car yesterday, led the most laps and wasn't going to probably win this race today if this is a normal race because he, he's not getting off the line well and restarts, can't make pit stops well. But because he had to make an extra pit stop, gets a splash of gas, wins the race. It was just it was very unusual win for Kyle Busch and how it all came together. 
Yeah, it was. And, and, you know, both he and, and Ben Bishore uh, admitted that, Hey, look, you know, without this transmission thing, we, I mean, you know, they would have, they would have been one of the fastest cars. They would have burned fuel. They would have been one of those ones that pitted late because that, that put them in perfect position. Like they had to, they were going to take fuel anyway, cause they were coming down uh, to try to work on the transmission thing. So um, yeah, like you said, I mean, that's, it, it absolutely won them a race. I, I think it's so interesting and I, I don't know how to uh, articulate it in sort of a poetic way, but um, six years ago, Kyle Busch was going for his fourth straight win and he was leading on the last lap, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was going to be the first driver since 2007, um, to win four points races in a row. And, uh, this was the year he, he won the championship and he, he, he runs out of gas on the last lap and he barely misses out on winning four in a row. Well, we know that Kyle uh, Larson, uh, Saturday was trying to become the first driver since 2007 to win four races in a row. He obviously it wasn't gas, but he blows a tire on the last lap. Um, loses his chance to win four in a row. The next day, Kyle Busch um, gets one back, so to speak, like from that 2015 race that he should have won um, on fuel mileage, basically. This time, he has enough fuel to make it. Um, so he sort of got, you know, because there's been so many races over the years where Kyle Busch should have won, and, you know, it seems like for whatever reason, they didn't. You know, he's obviously, you know, storms away or is salty about it or whatever. Today, one fell in his favor that he wasn't supposed to get. <laughs> and I think you could directly tie it to six years ago. You know, um, it's funny how the racing gods sort of work that way sometimes. But um, I just I just thought I was thinking about the Kyle Busch thing Saturday, how he had he was going for four in a row and came so close, just like Larson did. And then, you know, Kyle wins uh, Bush wins again today. So I know they're not directly tied together. It's two different races. But I, I just thought that was kind of interesting. I remember that 2015 race because remember he, he had, he had the wins and that, you know, he missed a bunch of races because of the injuries and everything. And the question was, was one, can he win a race and become in the playoff discussion? And then two, can he finish in the top 30 in points? And that day where he was, they, they made a strategy call late to keep him out and try to stretch it. He lost a bunch of points and it cost him. And then at the, at the time you're like, well, wait a second, you guys need all the points you can get. You don't need wins right now. What do we do? You know, so I'm never thinking like this may cost him a shot. Then ultimately it, he made the playoffs with like two races, a spare or something like that. And it was no big deal. So it's funny. And it, I don't know. I mean, it's like everything that was going right. Everything went Hendrick's way on Saturday. I mean, it's like Kyle Larson is going to win again. And then he hits, he blows the tire and hits the wall coming the checkered flag. And it's like, Oh, darn but Hendrick Motorsports still wins the race again. And it, it's just like, it's like they can't, even when they lose, they still win. It, it's just, it was crazy. And it looked like today, Kyle Busch was really fast early, but William Byron was incredibly fast. And, you know, Larson has his issues early, gets into Denny Hamlin, has an issue with his car. He's not really the same, you know, he's not really the same as he was. Chase Elliott has got assorted issues, but William Byron looked like he had the car and it looked like Hendrick might do it again. And it just, it doesn't. And, to me, this speaks to Kyle Busch. We, we've talked about it here on the podcast for the last, I don't know, what would you say, Jeff, six weeks or so? Really, they have been really, really good. Like, re they have been the next best cars outside of the Hendrick camp consistently. And they've been in contention. They were in contention at Richmond. They won at Kansas. They, they, they've continually put themselves in the mix. They just don't have what Hendrick has had. But they have closed that gap noticeably. Yesterday, he led the most laps. Today, he puts himself in position. The, 
Hendrick is still very good. Larson is exceptional, that five team. But that gap is, is definitely shrunk, and it is still continuing to shrink. Well, since Kansas, when he won his first race of the year, um, he's only finished worse than 11th one time. Um, he, he was 27th at Dover, which you'll have to forgive me. I don't, I don't remember what happened to, to Kyle at Dover uh, to make him finish 27th. He was seven laps down. Must have been some sort of incident. I'm sure you guys out there can remember it. Uh, I don't remember it. Anyway, um, but yeah, you're, you're right. To your point, he's been very good. He's been um, sort of taking the lead in the, in the Toyota camp in a way, um, even though the, you know, the next week after he won at Kansas, Truex had won at Darlington and everybody was talking about Truex at the time being the guy. But when you zoom out bigger, I mean, he's really led the way since then. So um, I don't know how to account for that. I'd really like to talk Jordan about, you know, all of a sudden, yes, like you said, everything went Hendrick's way in the first race at Pocono on Saturday, but they didn't lead the most laps um, in either of the races this weekend. I find that kind of interesting. And I know, you know, Hendrick hasn't been the best at Pocono, but there was a lot of talk this week about Hendrick cutting all their noses off, something that was uh, acknowledged. Bob Pockris asked Jeff Andrews about it um, in the post-race press conference on Saturday. Now, I asked NASCAR about this. NASCAR, uh, we had heard different things, right? There's all this stuff going on there, around the garage. NASCAR's official stance is they did not tell Hendrick to cut all their noses off uh, and they did not find anything illegal, but they were getting close to the gray area after Nashville and they notified Hendrick of this. And so apparently this made Hendrick spring into action and change all their noses from what we understand. So that's an interesting uh, development because you know, yes, you could say it didn't seem to bother Hendrick too much on Saturday, but ultimately I think, you know, this is a pretty tight field. JGR seemed to gain this weekend. So was that because they're just great at Pocono or did Hendrick doing something different with their noses, maybe at sort of NASCAR, I don't know the right word is urging or nudging, <laughs> nudging like suggestion. Well, again, they didn't say, you have to, or there was some innuendo. It sounds like from what we understand now, again, like there's different, you, you know, you could talk to different people in the garage and there's different versions of this, but NASCAR is saying that they did not require them to cut off the noses. They just said, you may want to look at this. So what do you think? Did that play any role in the, in, in the performance this weekend of what we saw? I don't know. I, I, I don't. And because, Kyle Larson and, and the Hendrick cars looked very fast on Saturday. You know, Kyle Busch led the most laps yesterday, but the Hendrick cars were all in the mix at times. They looked very good. And now they didn't leave the most laps like they have been, but they were still very much in contention. And this isn't a Hendrick Motorsports track. They have before yesterday, before Alex Bowman's win, their last win was Dale Earnhardt Jr. in 2014. I mean, so this is not a stronghold for them. This has long been a, a Toyota a track. I don't know. I, I need to see more evidence to, to, to really kind of form an opinion on this because, as I said, Kyle Busch has been very good. He's had race-winning speed the last few weeks. Kyle Larson's just been a little bit better than him. Things haven't worked out. I, I don't know. I'm not ready to 
I, I need more confirmation on what transpired and to, to get some more facts before I make it a, you know, a broad statement like, okay, this is why. Does it surprise me that Hendrick was pushing the envelope? No, that's what they do. I mean, I mean, they've got Chad Canales, the vice president of their competition, and he's very good at this. That, that's what he's good at doing. He's good at finding the gray areas and playing in the margins. That's why he's one of the greatest crew chiefs of all time. And good for him for doing that. So I don't know. We'll see. It, it's it's when we start going to mile and a half racetracks again, returning to those kind of tracks and having we'll see where everybody stacks up. And if it's noticeably different, there's probably something to this. And it's obviously something we're going to continue to, to pursue. I, I just I don't feel comfortable making broad assertions yet because I just don't feel like I have all the facts. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, and I, I don't think we, you know, we definitely need more um, evidence, I guess, to see where they go from here because you know road america next week that's not going to tell us anything i don't think um but atlanta in two weeks will probably tell us a lot absolutely that was a race where kyle larson should have you know he i don't know how many let i think he let all of them just except for the last eight but i mean yeah i mean that's gonna be a great indicator of where people stack up right i think if if hendrick shows up at atlanta and all of a sudden you know others like gibbs is pulled even with them or something like that and and we're like whoa what happened to to Hendrick on mile and a half tracks or intermediate tracks. Like they've been dominating. Whoa, what happened here? I think you can go back to whatever NASCAR said to them post Nashville. Um, so we'll just have to keep an eye on it. Now, again, you could make a very, very valid argument that nothing really changed because of the first Pocono race. Larson was going to win anyway. And another Hendrick car ended up winning. So and Byron was really fast today. Yeah. And Byron said, you know, after the race, he felt that he had the fastest car. Kyle Busch said he felt he had the fastest car that Kyle had. They the were in the mix. Too, so. I mean, that was the, there's no doubt. But yeah, I mean, Byron certainly was was potentially going to be there. So maybe and it's Kyle nothing. Lar yeah. and, but, and Kyle Larson still finished second today in yeah. a race where in a, in a race where he started the race in a backup car with no laps on it, and on the first lap had damage to the nose and the grill. So I mean, it's like okay. I mean, it's you know. It, they're still pretty darn good. I mean, it's like, it's, it, I just, I don't know. I, I have a lot of questions about this. I, I am, I'm certain there was probably some conversations being had in between NASCAR and Hendrick about what they were doing. That seems to be the case by everyone's, well, that's what we know, but to, to what level? I, I just, I don't know. Well, I just want to read you the Jeff Andrews quote here. Um, Bob Pockers had asked about, he said, is there any feeling of vindication? A lot of chatter in the garage. They made, Hendrick do this or this after Nashville to the cars. Um, so he asked if there's still, if there's any vindication that Hendrick was able to come out and win on Saturday. Um, you know, Jeff Andrews kind of was like, Hey, you know, we we've seen, uh, we've, we've been in different positions before. And then he said, NASCAR and Jay Fabian, who's the cup series director said, they do a great job of regulating the sport and keeping the sport in line. Anytime they talk to you or want you to address something on your race cars, we go back and address that. But again, NASCAR was saying they did not make them change anything or tell them to change anything. But Hendrick obviously interpreted it in a way like, all right, we're going to go do this immediately. So I don't know. Interesting, yeah. interesting little development. <laughs> it is. And it, it's kind of NASCAR's way, though, too, of like, hey, we know what you're doing. What you're doing here isn't illegal. But it's also a little too far in the gray for us to be comfortable with. 
So what we're going to need you to do is kind of take a step back and just kind of scale it back a little bit. Otherwise, if you want to keep doing this, we're going to ding you at some point. And we're but gonna, see, you know, okay, that's okay. That's I, I do have a problem with that though. I do because is it illegal or not? Because okay, if you're saying okay, it's in the gray area and you're getting close to the line, and if you bring this back, it's probably going to be illegal. Okay, well. It, every team is always talking about, okay, we already, we try to go right up to the line. So isn't that like a compliment that they're going right up to the line? Why would they want to go change something if it's not illegal? If it's, if it's all the way up to the line, then they're doing it perfectly. Why would they want to go tear the noses off their cars? Because you keep put. I mean, teams are going to keep, you're up to the line. We always keep pushing. You just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Yeah, but really they, they try to took, they apparently took the noses off if, unless we're hearing incorrectly. We don't know. I mean, maybe their understanding was, okay, you know what? We realize that if we do this, we are going to put ourselves in a bad spot and it's not worth it. We're going to scale it back a little bit and, and kind of get more in the margins and because we don't want to deal with the wrath of what's to come, whether that's a DQ for if we win a race and we're DQ'd, we've got to deal with the fallout. And keep in mind, Hendricks won a lot of races lately, including a record 269th win. So if there's a car that's DQ'd, all of a sudden it puts under a black cloud, all those other wins that they've had this year. I wouldn't want to deal with that if I'm Hendrick, I'm realizing, you know what, we're not going to, to potentially taint these other wins. We're just going to, we're going to, we're going to play We're going to keep our chips closer. Invest. Also let's keep in mind too, anything they want to use, I'd save it for the playoffs. Like, okay, we're not going to piss off NASCAR right now and really kind of push and show what we've got. If we really feel like we're going to have something that's up to that limit, maybe just a little bit over. We're just going to wait until Darlington and the playoffs, and then we'll start breaking that out again. Not in the middle, you know, end of June, mid, you know, beginning of July, when really, let's be honest, we don't really need to. Well, that's a great point. Yeah, I can't argue with that at all. Uh, is there anything you want to talk about from, you know, specifically in the first race or specifically in the second race that jumped out at you? Um, any of the finishes or anything like that? Yeah, I got a couple things. Um, one, Kurt Busch, great run again. Uh, strong run at Nashville, won a stage there, won a stage yesterday, another good run today. Didn't have the finish because of a few miles and everything, but picked up a lot of points today, moved back into the provisional playoff position. You know, a couple of weeks ago we were saying, oh boy, you know, this the, the playoff field kind of looks locked in unless something surprising happens. Kurt Busch, good run today. Looks like the Chip Ganassi racing cars, we include Ross Chastain in this, more speed out of them. Uh, conversely, Bush's teammate Chastain, Speed in both races, had good runs, didn't have the finishes with it. A little bit too aggressive today, it looked like, trying to make a pass, gets into the wall. And for a driver who was kind of on an upswing, this was a little bit of a step back. So that was something that jumped out. We talked about Kyle Busch. I want to mention Denny Hamlin as well. They've got some more speed in their cars, it looks like. They look like they've kind of found something in recent weeks, and they're they're kind of more in the ballpark of where they were at the beginning of the year. And it kind of goes back to that talk about that that shift a little bit. It does seem like Joe Gibbs Racing is kind of, you know, with the 18 and the 11, is, is starting to kind of make a little bit of a push with those guys. Um, what else do I got here? That was at Kevin Harvick, too. Another thing we've talked about him. They, they had some good finishes, and they keep grinding them out, and it looks like they're kind of getting their way back a little bit. So more of what we talked about recently on the podcast. Yeah, and we got to talk about Bubba Wallace. Um, yes. You know, yes, the first, uh, first top five and first top ten for that team, which we've – certainly highlighted uh, their deficiencies at times this year. But I've, what I find really interesting is that, um, you know, a few weeks ago we were talking about obviously Chris Buescher being fairly comfortable 
Um, it seemed like on the line now, as you, as you documented, Kurt Busch has moved into that spot. Busher seems to be going the wrong way. Uh, Daniel Suarez has crept into the conversation while Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is kind of falling out. But the one that jumped out at me when, when NBC showed those uh, the regular season uh, standings with seven races to go uh, at the end of the broadcast today, the guy who's now on the screen is Bubba Wallace. He's actually tied for 19th in points with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He's six back of Daniel Suarez. Um, as we've seen, 50 points is not enough of a cushion to feel comfortable. So that Kurt Busch, Chris Busher, Suarez, Stenhouse, Bubba range, you know, before we were like, well, certainly they have to win a race. But if Bubba continues to show speed um, and actually gets finishes to go with it, that could really, I mean, they could, they have enough time to, to creep into the playoff mix there. Now, unfortunately for Bubba, uh, what there's two road, three road courses, three yeah. more road courses before, um, the regular season ends. So that, that could be a problem for him. Um, but I think there's, there's opportunities there. Um, you know, I, I think he could potentially creep in the mix. Suarez has shown signs that he could He's creep in the mix as well. So going to, you know, a few weeks ago where I was like, Oh man, this is really not an interesting playoff bubble at all. It's kind of a blowout, but as Stenhouse and Busher have sort of both backslid, Kurt Busch has risen up, and you know you have Suarez and and Bubba Wallace at least, you know, seeming to make a run at this. Uh, it's getting more interesting. It is. I think you make a good point about Bubba Wallace, and I was going to mention that the, the deficiency with him, the weakest part in his game is road courses, and with three of them coming up, Road America next weekend, then Indy, and then the Watkins Glen. That that is tough, and that's a situation where you're going to have to manage there. But if Joe Gibbs racing is, it seems like they're on their way back a little bit to kind of that dominance or at least kind of getting back in the, the game a little bit compared to where they where Hendrick was just beating them nonsensical every week. That's going to benefit 2311 racing. If they've got better cars, more speed in their cars, and they can do something with that and make them. The other thing with them, too, is they're having cleaner races now. I mean, they had an issue at Nashville last week. They ran over a brake part. There's nothing you can do about that. That's just bad luck. But they're not making the the – the, the strategy calls, the mistakes of putting themselves in bad position and have to play scramble mode and they're not having to, to, to play catch up. That's a big thing. If you can go into races and get stage points and get good finishes, you can overcome that pretty quick. We have seen that lately. Um, there's a lot to happen over the next few weeks. And I will say this, Daytona, he is really good at Daytona. We, we've seen it this year at, at, in the Daytona 500. He was very competitive there. He was very competitive at Talladega. If you put him in a situation um, going into the season finale, the regular season finale at Daytona, he's going to have teammate support because all of four Gibbs cars are going to be locked into the playoffs. They're going to be a focus on helping him out. So you, you just don't know. I, I, if you're asking me which guys below the cut line I feel most confident about, this is an ever-changing answer. Today, I'm probably telling you Bubba Wallace. Well, Jordan, there was other racing series in action this weekend as well. Um, formula one has had a really interesting season so far today's race. Wasn't necessarily one of those super interesting races. Um, the first of two races in Austria, Max Verstappen goes out and pretty much just whoops. Everybody Lewis Hamilton could do, did everything he could just to finish second, but, uh, Verstappen was able to extend his points lead. And really the narrative really has turned now to Red Bull is in control. They're going to win their constructors title, seeming to run away with it, and possibly the drivers' championship as well, unless Mercedes 
is able to fight back. Um, I mean, what are the chances at this point that Lewis Hamilton can turn things around um, and, and find some speed? He's obviously doing all he can as a driver. Mercedes needs to figure something out. Yeah, that's the big thing to me is just how much things have flipped. Mercedes doesn't have the dominant car. Now they're the now they're chasing and not being chased, and they're on their back foot. And what do they do? How do they respond? They have said they're not going to make any upgrades to their cars, so they're going to have to figure out how to close that gap on Red Bull. Red Bull clearly has the fastest cars. The points championship for the drivers, I still think it's wide open. I mean, one bad race from Max. Hamilton continues to, to maximize his results every single week. If he can, if Max has a bad race and Hamilton, you know, finishes first or second, which he should do, that that the championship is all of a sudden flipped. The constructors, we've talked about this before. I mean, it's it's Red Bulls to win at this point. They're going to have to massive collapse because Mercedes is basically fighting with one driver. I mean, it's Hamilton and not Botas. George Russell had a hell of a run today for Williams. Probably should have scored points before an engine failure. We've said it before. If Mercedes wants to win this championship, you've got to have two. Got you've got to have two bullets in your chamber. They only got one. I don't know why you don't put George Russell in that car and make that move, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, to Botas credit, I mean, he did finish third today. So, um, you know, he yeah. was able to do what he needed to do to at least outscore Perez, but it's the first time he's done anything all year, really. Yeah. Yeah. And he did have that weird, uh, spin leaving the pit lane during what was it? Practice. I think Yeah, um, he got penalized five, what three or four, three, four, five spots, whatever. Yeah. And also, um, like I think Lando Norris needs a oh, little goodness. bit of a shout out here. Um, like he just keeps reeling off top five finishes. He's only finished lower than fifth one time this year in eight races. Yeah. Really impressive. Um, talk yeah. about maximizing your car. It is. And what really what jumps out though is what his teammate, more experienced, uh, a winner at the Grand Prix level, Daniel Ricardo is. Ricardo was supposed to come over there and provide like a boost and really help elevate McLaren. No, Ricardo really hasn't done anything this year. It's been all Norris, and the discrepancy between the two McLaren teammates is night and day. Norris is running up front, finishing on the podium in the top five, and Ricardo, it, it's been a struggle every single week for him just to finish somewhat decent. It, it is night and day. It, Norris recently signed a multi-year extension. I think it was for two years whatever. That's a steal because if I'm one of the bigger teams right now, a Red Bull or a, McLaren or a, a Ferrari or, or a Mercedes, I'm looking at Lando Norris going, I want that guy in my car and I want him now because he looks, he looks incredible. Yeah, you're right. I mean, as, as we judge off teammates, certainly a lot in F1 since it's the same cars and talking about how Norris has finished in the top five and seven out of the eight races and Daniel Ricardo has no top five finishes this year. So it's pretty glaring. I still remember, uh, were you on the, I think it was 2017 media tour um, when Fernando Alonso came and talked to Jimmy Johnson. Do you remember yeah, this? At, uh, yeah, for in Charlotte. Yes. And he yeah. brought Lando Norris with him. But yeah. Lando Norris was not an <laughs> F1 driver yet. And I remember Lando Norris was just sort of like sitting on this couch and like everybody's uh, photographing, including me. I have this picture of like Fernando Alonso and Jimmy talking. Everybody's gathered around and Lando Norris is just sitting there. Nobody's talking to him. Like he's just completely <laughs> under the radar. Like nobody gave a crap at all. Like that this guy was there. And, you know, you go back and look in the pictures now and you're like, man, this guy is a star. You know, he's, he's a potential future champion, depending on what car he gets in. So uh, it's kind of, kind of funny to see that. But anyway, um, another race this weekend that um, I, this one, I really enjoyed. Uh, I thought the SRX race at Eldora 
was the best one so far. I actually missed the heats. Um, I was at a family event, but was able to watch the main event. Just really enjoyed it. I, I just thought um, it, it was just, you know, I, I think the, the racing was good. Maybe Tony Stewart was sandbagging a little bit. Uh, Don't you know, ruin maybe- it for me. Don't ruin it for you. You tweeted that last week at Knoxville and I can't get it out of my head now. You know, here's the thing. Those guys, when I went to Stafford, even week one, even Doug Kobe, before he even started the race was like, yeah, you know, I know it's needs to be a show. And as much as I'd like to go out and, you know, whoop up on these guys and, and beat them by like 10 seconds or whatever. Um, I know that's not good for the series and stuff. So um, I think Tony Stewart probably could have uh, dominated a little bit more uh, over Cody Swanson, but Cody Swanson gave him a, a decent run he for held, his money. He held his own, yeah. Yeah. And it was entertaining and, you know, they had fun with it. The Tony Stewart, talking under green flag as he's passing Marco Andretti was really fun. Hinchcliffe was fantastic in the booth. Home run. He, he need, if I'm NBC, I'm handing him a blank contract and saying, whenever you're done doing your racing, you just come and join our IndyCar booth because you're tremendous. He he's, he's been sensational. Well, I think, I think it was Jenna Fryer on Twitter throughout said, you know, why not consider him for um, the Jeff Gordon replacement? Um, now I know he's an IndyCar guy, doesn't have the stock car experience, but you're still talking about racing. And if you have Boyer up there, I mean, I think that would be a really, really, I mean, talk about if Fox wants to go for fun, right? Like if that's, you know, they, they want to have sort of the fun broadcast and be like, you're, you're watching your friends at home kind of thing. Um, you know, to have Boyer and, and Hinchcliffe together would be really, I think really fun and entertaining. I don't, I don't know. They used to have Jackie Stewart called NASCAR races. I mean, he, no, he didn't race NASCAR. I mean, it's not unprecedented is my point. I mean, you can do it. If if you're a good, if you're a smart person and, and Hinchcliffe is, and you, you've got an understanding of what racing is about, I think you can do it. I think, and the thing of this too, is he's fresh enough and he's still active where he could get into a stock car and get a feel for it, you know, it's, it's and kind of a little bit of a nuance and understanding of it. So, and he has a love for it. He has said openly, he's wanted to run, he's run to run NASCAR. He's tried to a couple times to put together deals to run a, a cup or Xfinity road course race and it's fallen through. So you could do a lot worse. I would not be objected. It could be a thing too, where next year Fox kind of does like a rotating thing. Like it's Mike joy and Clint Boyer. And then maybe you kind of bring in different people on a semi-regular basis. I would, I would be in favor of that. Absolutely. Yeah. And also I think, you know, Hinchcliffe, I was just looking it up. He's, he's 34 years old. So I'm sure he'd like to race, uh, some more. And, and even though, um, you know, Fox doesn't have the whole season, there are some conflicts in the spring with IndyCar, which obviously we hate when they have IndyCar and NASCAR at the same time on some of those spring Sundays, you're like, what are they doing? You know, just space them out a little bit, but so yeah, he can do the whole schedule anyway, uh, immediately in the immediate future. But anyway, just an idea SRX, I tell you what, um, I know I like the NASCAR it. people don't like to hear it, but I, I'm really enjoying watching it. it. It's I don't, I guess I don't take it super seriously, but I enjoy the entertainment value of it. I enjoy the people getting mad at each other. Um, I enjoy. We the, saw that the, for the first time this week too. That was cool. Paul Tracy and Bobby Labon. <laughs> yeah, and Tony Kanon was getting mad at Ernie Francis Jr. Yeah. Um. So that that was good. You know, it's it's. I I feel like it's a fun show, a fun series they have good racing, but they don't take themselves seriously enough that it's like, I think everybody that's watching it knows like, Hey, this is kind of mostly for fun. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a happy medium. I, and I think there's a, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what they go for from here 
in terms of do you, do you try to expand it a little bit? You know, Ray Everham, I, I talked to him this week for a story in The Athletic. And he's like, hey, we want to add a road course or two for next year. It's like, okay, so is that going to be – the schedule is going to be up to eight races. Like, I, I just think this is a nice, tight six, you know, six-week schedule, nice, tight format. I, I, I admire the fact that they're willing to say, hey, you know what? We're going to make changes on the fly. Like, okay, race one happened, but we're going to tweak the format a little bit. It, I like all that. There's, there's part of me that wishes there's more cars on the track at times, but I also understand like that's a lot of, that's expensive and how are you going to do that and the logistics of it. And so 12 cars for a 50 lap race. I'm, I'm okay with it. I like this a lot. I think it has a nice potential. I think there's a nice, um, I don't mean this disparaging. I think there's a nice niche for what they, they can do for what the motorsports fan is looking for that maybe other series aren't doing. So I, I'm really encouraged by what I see. I think this is going to be exciting. And I got to be honest with you, I, I love I love what they've done. I mean, I love Knoxville. I love Eldora. They're going to a track um, Slinger Speedway in a couple of weeks, which is up in Wisconsin, which is, I don't know if you've ever been there or not. I have. It's in my neck of the woods. It's a third of a mile high banked oval. It, it's incredible. I can't wait until they go there in, in race. I'm excited to see that. Well, Jordan, <clears throat> I'm seeing a tweet here on Twitter. You know what it says? It's I'm sure it's something about my favorite segment of the show. It's from Big Joe Wall 72 who keeps score on the Was It a Good Race poll? And he says, huge week for Jeff and his super squad. Whatever. Jeff missed the poll result by 0.4 percentage points, which is not only the closest guess this year, but is the closest guess since I've been keeping track, says Big Joe Wall 72. I have taken the outright lead 10 to 9. And I've completely erased your tiebreaker buffer in just the span of a few weeks. Jordan, you're you're in big trouble here. You were going the wrong direction, my friend. Yeah, I'm a little emotional right now. Um, this is this is a gut punch. Um, I'm gonna need to do some reflection, take a hard look in the mirror. You know, maybe you know, ask some tough questions. And I, it's been a struggle. Um, really, my goal is though. This is the, this is like the Jimmy Johnson summer swoon from the championship years. I'm just kind of taking off for the summer. I don't want to show my good stuff. Come September, the start of the playoffs, I'll be here. Well, here's a problem. This is going to be a fairly, I feel the like. The problem is I don't care, and this is stupid. And no, this is just a waste no, of time. No, I could pull clips and from other shows it, that show you do care. You, 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 this poll is ridiculous. You have said this yourself on this podcast. You've wanted to stop this poll. I only said last week that I was going to get rid of the poll forever. So, you know, it's not uh... a waste of time. <laughs> so listen, um, we, here's the thing about this week's poll. We, we have some great um, baseline already to work off of, which you don't, you don't usually get because we had, we, we didn't guess on the Saturday race. You tried to guess 85% just for the record. You say that you did, but I think you voted already. Uh, and then told me what your guess was going to be. The poll had already been out for wow. 20 minutes by the time you told me your guess. So oh, I'm sorry. I don't live on Twitter as we discussed last week. And my whole life isn't sitting there refreshing my feed. I have a life. I'm living it. I'm sorry. I'm just not staring at Twitter. Yeah, I know you were out buying the obscene amount of fireworks. I heard today rumor. Yeah, I have sources about this, but yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do with all those fireworks, Jordan? Uh, considering the number of fireworks I bought, probably invade a country. Yeah. Jordan is apparently single-handedly supporting national fireworks businesses. So I was trying to get back. Just if you to want a party for July 4th, go find Jordan for sure. 
Anyway, um, <laughs> so here's here's our evidence though. So Pocono Saturday, as it stands now, there was 14 hours left in this poll, uh, so it's going to change. But right now, that poll is running 83.2 percent for Pocono One, which would make it the top-rated Pocono race in the poll. Um, obviously, been going since 2016, so a, a decent amount uh, to work with the. Previous best Pocono race was 79%, 2017, when Blaney held off, what was it, Harvick to win? Yeah, Harvick and Kyle Busch, his first career win, 2017. Yeah, that yeah. got a 79%. This poll is uh, for Pocono Saturday is going to beat it. Wow. Now, what about Pocono Sunday? That's our challenge here. Uh, are we going to have two Pocono races in the 80%? Oh, my goodness. What I think so happen? for sure. I don't. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think Sunday's race is going to rate as high as Saturday, just because Saturday's race with the finish and everything and the unpredictability and and the great racing at the end. And I think fans. I don't know. It's a few miles race. You have Bush winning. I don't think it's going to be eighty five, but I think low eighties is very real. I will be shocked if this doesn't score in the low eighties. Well, here's where we get down to the percentage points, I guess, because like I said, if you if you're saying it's not going to rate above. Um, Pocono one, which is 83.2 right now, as I said, uh, you don't have much room to work with. Um, do, do I go first since I won? Whatever you want. It's your poll, your world. I'm just living in it. Uh, just whatever. I feel like this is going to be a, a positive poll. Now, of course, um, the 750 truthers might try to take it down a little bit, but even them, I, I, I feel like they would have to say, that this 550 racing this weekend was pretty solid. Um, I, I think this could be with the strategy. You know, if you like pure racing, the package doesn't matter. This was a, a real strategy race, like you might see in like an almost like an F1 or type thing. So um, I think it might actually rate higher than Saturday. Ride the good vibes. Get rid of some of the the 750 truther negativity, maybe. So. I, I'm actually going to go 84% here and go a little bit higher than it sounds like you are. Yeah, I would go 82. I don't think it's an 84. Um, again, I, I think it's really good. And this was a fantastic, I just think the fact that how Saturday's race finished, which is, you know, almost like a movie, something out of a movie is going to kind of over overshadow a little bit today's race. If this had been separated, I, I could see it, but having them back to back, people are going to look at Saturday and go, that's tremendous. That's what I want to see out of my NASCAR. Today, I think it's going to be a little bit lower, but still, exceptional race. That really was jaw-dropping, by the way, on Saturday. I mean, that was like a holy cow. I mean, you always talk about, oh, you really got to race the last lap. You never know what can happen kind of thing. But that was like, wow, I, I can't so believe it. I, I listen. I, yeah, I So I watch races on YouTube TV. I'm a YouTube TV subscriber. So the unfortunate reality is I'm usually about 30 to a minute behind everyone else in terms of what's going on. And so – I actually, and most of the time I spend my time, I listen to the radios. That's what I do. And so I'm listening to the five radio and I hear flat tire, flat tire. And I'm like, I, did I hear him cross the line? And I look up and Kyle Bush is, Kyle Larson's still leading. So again, I'm behind the streaming. So I'm like, what, what's going on here? And then I'm also listening to the 88 channel at the same time. And I hear, I hear, 48, Alan. Ah, I did it again. I can't tell you how many times I do that. Oh. I can't get 48. I know. I saw, I saw your tweet about that yesterday. So I was you know how many times I've done that this year. It, it's ridiculous. It, it's, it's I, just, an, he's forever going to be the 88 driver in my head. It doesn't matter. 
anyway, yes, you're listening to the radio and yeah, yeah. That and so I'm listening to I'm listening to the five, I'm listening to the forty eight, and I hear them talk about his uh, Larson's flat tire, and then I hear them tell Bowman, keep going, keep going, and it was like, what, what, what? and I'm like, look, now I'm like glued to the screen, waiting for my my viewing to keep catch up to what's happening, and yeah, it it was just absolutely jaw dropping. Where did you feel? Do you feel bad for uh, Larson at all? Um, or do we not feel bad for him since he has won so much? I don't, I don't feel good or bad for really anybody who wins or loses the race, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I root for stories and I want the best storyline. And honestly, the best storyline is Kyle Larson coming a corner short of, you know, winning four straight, which is a, you know, really a huge mark in NASCAR and ends up blowing a tire that, that to me is the best storyline. So it's somebody who's, this is whose job is to cover these races. I want that. That's what we want. Well, Jordan, next week is road America. That'd be interesting. Um, we're going to be watching that one on, on July 4th. Weird to uh, have a July 4th race at a road course and all this kind of stuff, I guess. But um, the new reality of uh, not, you know, not being at Daytona now, not being at Indy. Now we're at uh, uh inaugural race in Wisconsin on a holiday. It'd be interesting to see, you know, what kind of attention that gets or whether it gets lost and everything on that day. But um, I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk about either way. It's going to be an interesting race and uh, coming up on the 12 questions podcast on this feed this week is Ernie Francis jr. From the uh, SRX and Trans Am series. I asked him about, um, his NASCAR aspirations. So check back for that. Everybody, um, if you would like to subscribe to The Athletic, we would really love to um, have you on board. You can do that by going to theathletic.com slash the teardown or slash teardown. I think I don't even think you need the, you can do either one and you'll get prompted with the <laughs> offer. Make it easy for you. Um, we'd be really pleased to, uh, have you as one of our subscribers if you're not already. That would mean a lot to us. So everybody, thanks for your support. Thanks for listening to The Teardown. And we will talk to you next week after Road America. <laughs> <laughs>